He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that made us whole. And with his stripes, we are healed. In the name of the living and true God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. On the morning of February 23rd of this year, exactly one week before Ash Wednesday, someone broke into St. Michael's historic chapel, this space that I'm in right now, and removed that wooden crucifix from above the altar and smashed it on the ground. Nothing else was stolen or vandalized or otherwise out of place. We found the doors were slightly ajar. The cross was lying on the altar rail step. That little sign atop the cross with the letters I-N-R-I, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews, that had been removed. The corpus, our Lord's body, had been ripped off the cross. Both of his legs had been broken, a decidedly unscriptural act. As our reading today says, not a bone of his shall be broken. And his body with outstretched arms, along with his broken legs, lay in pieces on the floor directly in front of the altar. This is not the first time St. Michael's has experienced an act of what I can only describe as spiritual violence. Some of you may remember years ago on the night before Ash Wednesday, Mardi Gras, there was a break-in in the church building and the stone tabernacle above the high altar was smashed to the ground the blessed sacrament itself strewn across the floor. That time we were robbed. This time, the troubled soul who forced their way into this sacred space seemed to be focused solely on destroying the icon of Christ and nothing else. Our faithful Altar Guild director, Madeline Tober, was the first to discover what had happened. And as you can imagine, it was a shocking sight to behold. When I first saw our Lord's broken body on the sanctuary floor behind me, I had a visceral reaction. It was deeply upsetting. It made me feel equal parts angry and sad. And that image has remained in my mind. And this incident has become a kind of involuntary Lenten meditation. The thought that I have returned to again and again is simply this. As holy as this image of our Lord Jesus Christ is, it is not his actual flesh and blood. It is a piece of wood, a beautiful sacred symbol of his saving sacrifice for us on the cross. But in the end, it is still a piece of wood. And here is the meditation. If the desecration of a symbol of our Lord's crucifixion can cause such a strong reaction. How much more unbearably horrific must his actual death on the cross have been? Five pieces of wood on the carpet made my stomach turn. How much more the five wounds in his human flesh, the crown of thorns pressed into his head, his heaving lungs gasping for air, his bloody sweat and breaking heart. 
Why would someone break into a chapel and destroy an image of Jesus? Why indeed? But this question is merely a shadow of the much deeper questions of why would one person destroy another? Why would human beings destroy the Son of God? Why would the creation destroy its creator? St. Cyril of Jerusalem reminds us in no uncertain terms of just who it is who hangs on the cross. He writes, He stretched forth human hands who by his spiritual hands had established the heavens. The ancient hymnody of the church bears witness to the identity of the crucified one with texts like, Today he who hung the earth upon the waters is hung on the tree. And a strange wonder it was to see the maker of heaven and earth suspended on the cross. There is a 20th century French priest who writes, True God, he made himself truly man. He who is the divine model of humanity, created in the image of God, has taken upon himself all the sufferings and weaknesses that humanity is subject to since the fall, including everything except sin itself, including the absence of God, for sin drives God away, including death, for that is the final consequence of sin, including descent into the abode of the dead. He did this to allow God to enter everywhere there is human suffering, even into the abyss of death, accompanying humanity to the depths of suffering so as to raise us up again and bring us back to life. The flesh that our Lord Jesus Christ took in the womb of the Virgin and the flesh that he gave on the cross is flesh filled with the weight of the sins of the world. Isaiah prophesies he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that made us whole, and with his stripes we are healed. St. Peter teaches that he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed. And at the heart of the mystery of our redemption, is that our Lord Jesus Christ, the Word of God made flesh, not only bore our sins in his body, but he is the one who took up his own cross. He laid down his own life, and he did so voluntarily. It was not taken from him. As he himself says, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This charge I have received from my Father. The gruesome horror of the cross is readily apparent. What is less obvious to us broken sinners is the nature of God's perfect love shining radiantly 
and gloriously from the cross. On the cross, our Lord Jesus Christ fulfills the summary of the law, loving God and loving us with a true love, a divine love, a perfect love that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, and never ever ends. And this love is a love that is not just for us, but a love that we are called, indeed commanded, to exhibit and express and manifest ourselves to God and the world, loving perfectly God and our neighbor. Father Thomas Hopko teaches, saying, everyone loves to talk about theosis, uncreated light and all that. And by theosis, he means uh, the very process of our salvation, being filled with the presence of God, being filled with the Holy Spirit of God, being filled with the light and life and glory of God. That's what he means by theosis. He says, you know what theosis is in the Bible? It's when you're screaming on a cross, everybody has betrayed you, your own people, the Gentiles, they're mocking you, scourging you, spitting on you, putting a crown of thorns on you, reviling you, nailing you till you're dead, and God forsakes you, and you're all alone, and then you say to God, into your hands I give my spirit. And you say to the people who are killing you, Father, forgive them. That's theosis, Father Thomas says. When you love God, asking nothing in return, not even the consolation of his presence. And this is precisely what our Lord Jesus Christ does on the cross. He loves God and us fully, completely, perfectly, in the face of utter and complete betrayal and abandonment. His love never wavers. His is the example, indeed it is the proof, of the power of divine and life-giving love, of love which is stronger than death. That broken crucifix from the chapel is no longer broken as you can see. It has been lovingly restored by parishioners Tony and Linda Venaria, just in time for us to venerate it again on this solemn occasion. As we venerate the Holy Cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, may we see in him the vision of perfect love. May we remember that our sinful bodies are made clean by his body and our souls washed through his most precious blood, that it is by his stripes we are healed, our sins are forgiven, and that we too are restored from death to life. In the name of the living and true God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.